Hello and welcome to the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. I'm Jason O'Dell. And I'm Rick Walker. Hey, Rick. It's good to be back with you again this week. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Good. I'm almost over my head cold, but <laughs> hey, what can you uh, say? I'm, I'm amazed at how long that's hung it, around for it, you. It's it's just, yeah, it's just the thing that won't die. A lot of people have been having similar things, I've discovered. It's, it's the whole, you're not sick, but you have crud. So it's... Lovely. I have a health strategy where i stay the hell away from you and that yeah, seems to well, work out seems, seems to be fine i haven't <laughs> given this to anybody else believe it or not so it's all good so whatever i got it's just been very special to me um so um this week we kind of have a, a a special topic we're uh, you know and and, uh, and uh something different uh we we've got um we're gonna bring one of our listeners onto the show for an interview for a couple of reasons but um we're going to talk uh, about, we wanted to talk about the thought process that goes into choosing or in the decision-making process about choosing an alternative kit or system where you just say, you know what, I want something different. And, and it could be something that goes in parallel with another kit, or it could be you're just switching systems completely. You could, and, right. And starting from scratch and then. How do you make the choices? Right. Um, what's important to you? All of those kinds of things. This is a little bit beyond just, well, I want to buy a different camera. This would be, I want to buy a different system. And I'm at, I have the luxury to say, I'm going to get, you know, maybe three lenses for it or whatever. And we'll talk about rationale. So what we want to do <clears throat> is we were recently, uh, we were recently talking with one of our listeners and our, our show, and one of our benefactors, actually, who, who um, very thank and you. And a long term friend. And yeah, and long term client. Um, that's John Kendall. And he's been um, coming with, he went on our very first photo safari ever in 2007, I believe, to South Texas. And John's been a long time Nikon shooter uh, as, as well as us. Um, but recently started asking us about the the olympus system and the om1 in particular so we're going to have john come on the show and talk about um some of the stuff that went into his decision because i think he recently did buy this olympus kit so we want to talk about it a little bit so welcome john thank you for inviting me well it's good to have you here and um you know we were talking a little bit before before the show you've been tinkering around with these ideas kind of in the same process that I was going through you know, earlier this year or even last year um, but you did end up buying an OM system kit and um, we'll go into the details of what's in it later but uh, you you want to tell us a little about why you started thinking about getting another system because obviously your Nikon system is great and and you know it wasn't well, it wasn't like you're tossing it or something like that so for the benefit of the listeners my nikon system until recently was a z9 and a collection of glass that extended from ultra wides up to the 800 millimeter but in recent months i've been co become cognizant of the fact that, of the weight of the kit especially when traveling so the first thing i did having done no homework or research on uh, small uh, bodies and other systems i did the one thing that was easy I downgraded the Z9 to a Z8, which immediately saves almost one pound. The problem, though, is the lenses. 
um, especially the longer ones. That's the that's most of the meat, the weight of the kit. So for me, that included the 100 to 400Z, the 400Z, and the 800Z. Since I'm shooting less wildlife and birds, some of the really long glass is perhaps um, turning into paperweights. So with no experience uh, with small systems and no ideas, you handed me your OM1 last month when we were <laughs> together, and G is this is that bad influence half the weight, and the lenses are incredibly tiny, and so that's what I did. Um, I was able to sell the 800 and the 400, and believe it or not, the proceeds financed my entire OM1 kit. Wow, that's awesome! So, just for our listeners, I mean, I, I mean, we've shot for a long time, but the kind I I know that. If you had your druthers, you'd be out there shooting birds every, or, or wildlife every day if you could. And I know that's kind of hard. I mean, you're currently in Manhattan um, and, um, you know, the the shooting there for the wildlife is a little bit trickier. Um, and um, but you're doing more travel photography, right? I mean, you're well or you're traveling around and carrying your kit and starting to travel again post COVID. Um you know, around the country, around the world, but even just even just walking in Manhattan or where I actually live, um, Alexandria, Virginia, outside of D.C., if I'm going to spend half a day or a whole day walking around, a Z8 and a couple of lenses is uh, a bit of a load. Yeah, agree. I'd like to make that easier. Right. It's not a quality issue. It's just a, it's just a lugging around thing exactly. and um if i recall you retired recently so you do have more time on your hands to do stuff like this correct awesome so so what was your so so then your goal was if i'm hearing you right you wanted uh you wanted not to get rid of your nikon kit but you really wanted to slim down the stuff that you would use potentially on a day-to-day -day basis um certainly as a walk around kit as a travel kit and potentially a, a wildlife kit so um, ba from your needs then, what were the focal lengths that you were looking at in the OM kit? Because in Micro Four Thirds, everything is it's a 2X crop factor compared to 35 millimeters. So what was the range that you were looking at? Well, so after visiting you, the first thing I did when I got home was pull up a list of lenses that will fit onto an Olympus. And it's a ginormous list. So I tackled it sort of the way I used to tackle Nikon class. Um, a one lens solution, which is the uh, 12 to 100, which becomes therefore a 24 to 200. A two lens solution, which is the 12 to 45, which therefore is a 25 to 90. And the 40 to 150, which is an 80 to 300. So those match up very well mm -hmm. with the one lens and two lens kits that most full frame photographers tend to use. After that, because I could, I added a few other lenses. I added the 100 to 400, which is therefore a 200 to 800, because gee, I'm back in the bird and wildlife area with a lens that's one third the size and weight of the 800 millimeter that I sold. So I can still do that, and it's a whole lot easier. Um, at the other end, I added a, uh, 
what is this? The 8 to 25, which gives me an ultra wide. Mm-hmm. And there are other options, which I guess we will discuss. Uh, yeah, because that's where you get into it, right? And that's what we want to talk about. So you were putting together this Olympus kit, or OM system kit, whatever we want to call it these days. I always get confused. Um, because there are options within those focal length ranges. So you wanted a, so you got everything from a super wide all the way up to a super telephoto and everything in between. And there's lots of lens choices, not just the focal lengths, but also different apertures. So let's talk about some of the options that you had and then what you ultimately decided on. Well, the first decision I made made was to go with the F4 lenses because the original goal was the small light system. There are, of course, 2.8 lenses and faster lenses, but I was going for the lightweights. Um, the interesting question is down the road, the more I like the system, will I want to add to it? But that's again, a question. How, how about just to broaden this out because you've purchased a system and I think you made some good choices based on your goals, you know, of wanting to get a smaller and lighter kit. But some of our listeners may have um, different goals, and, and we want to make this also somewhat ap- applicable, at least the thought process, to other systems as well. Mm-hmm. How about if we go ahead and start stepping through the different categories of lenses? I'll throw out some comments, because I've been using Micro Four Thirds now for 15 years, you know, ever since it first came out. And so I've owned or used a lot of these things and have been able to do, you know, get a good sense of pros and cons. Mm-hmm. So starting off with, and by the way, one of the the cool things with micro four four thirds is you can also use Panasonic lenses and they're, they're a nice set of third party lenses as well. So they're a pretty good set of options. So in the super wide realm, you've got the relatively new eight to 25 F4 zoom that you bought uh, a lens that's been out a bit longer and that I owned for quite a few years was the 7 to 14 28 lens. So a little bit wider, you can get down to a 14 millimeter equivalent, not as long on the long end, a little bit faster aperture. But for me, one of the downsides with it was, you know, it has that bulbous front end um, on the you know front element, which means that you can't use things like neutral density filters without you know, this horribly big and... Um, bulky adapter mm-hmm. so you know do you want wide and fast or do you want um, a little bit slower but greater top end range and the benefit of using filters that's kind of the thought process on that one both are good lenses there are also some panasonic options one little trivia thing with panasonic um, super wide zooms is sometimes they can create some purplish blobs in your image. And it has to do with different coatings and, and things that are present on the camera sensor with Panasonic's versus Olympus. So it makes the Olympus ones a little bit more desirable if you're using an Olympus camera. So those are just, you know, yeah. some of the things out there. You know, it's a good, you bring up a good point, Rick, because, and, and, and this is what I found interesting about the eight to 25. Um, we used to own, and John, I'm pretty sure you did too. You know, we went through a, a range of, of Nikon lenses that were in that similar question. You know, there was the the old 17 to 35 um, f2.8. 
And then there was obviously the very good and very expensive uh, 14 to 24 2.8, which has that same problem, that bulbous problem. Mm-hmm. wonderful lens. I mean, right? Yeah. But very yeah. big, very heavy. Um, and then, you know, somewhere along the line, Nikon came out with uh, that 16 to 35, which was an F4. And I believe we all owned that lens at some point. Mm-hmm. And, and it kept going in my bag. And the reason for me, at least, why did it keep going in my bag? It took front filters, which for the kinds of stuff that I was shooting was more important. I didn't need 2.8 to shoot landscapes. And it was a little lighter and easier to deal with than the 14 to 24, which is a brilliant lens, but just it was a clunky thing to have to, to use all the time. Plus, the range was a little bit longer on the long end. And what I really like about the OM lens that you said you bought is that it's a 16 to 50 equivalent. And you can make the argument that it could be a walk around lens. Gets me up to the normal range. It, yeah. It's it's something that those other ones, I think if it was like a, the if the range was similar to 16 to 30, 16 to 35, whatever that equivalent is, you're probably saying, you know what, I'm going to pair that with something in the mid range if I go out and I'm bringing a second lens. And you can make the case that with the eight to to 25 you could just use one lens and that's pair nice it with something thing. much longer you know pair it with that 40 millimeter zoom that you have so oh, anyway it's, it's just an interesting thought process and i and and this is where it gets into at least on that end is it focal length that you want or is it the build and the design and the you know the the properties of the, actually handling the lens that that can come into play someone that did astrophotography might want to go with the 7 to 14 exactly Exactly. You know, they're, they're, you know, both of those two lenses to focus on them um, are really good lenses, just different use cases. Mm-hmm. But, but Jason, you're right. The, the 8 to 25 is a perfect street lens. Wonderful walking around in a city. Mm-hmm. It, it really can be quite nice. It's a little bigger and heavier than some of the ones we're going to talk about next. Because when you get into the mid range zoom territory, now there's actually a lot of choices. Right. So in the case of the Olympus system, this is your 12 to whatever zooms, a 24 to something. Um, and there's three that you have to choose from. <clears throat> uh, there's like you mentioned, there's a 12 to 45 F4. There's a which is that 24 to uh, 90 equivalent. There's a 12 to 40 to eight. So it's a little shorter on the long end, but it's a faster lens. And then there's a 12 to 100, like you said, a 24 to 200 equivalent, which is also an F4. And all three of these lenses are slightly different animals. They're all excellent, though. They're all good choice. You wouldn't go wrong optically with any of them, right, Rick? No, they they are remarkably similar in terms of optical performance. So I don't think that's a discriminator. And just to be clear, there are also some Panasonic zooms that are all very good zooms. A thing to think about, though, is the Panasonic's zoom backwards from the Olympus in terms of the direction you turn the ring. And for me, that's a bit irritating. So I focus more on the Olympus ones. But Panasonic does have some good ones. Although if you're an icon shooter, they they zoom the same way, <laughs> right? But anyway, um, so so Rick, what would be the 
differences that you see between those three lenses, you know, from a practical standpoint, what, what would be the decision? You know, John made his decision, um, which is valid. I mean, you're not going to go wrong with any of these. No, but, no. It's um, actually, what he did is actually what I would have recommended doing. I, I think, I mean, I own the 20, the 12 to 40 to eight first out of that set. And it was just because of when it came out, it's been out the longest excellent lens. I still own it. I still use it at times. And it does when come as a kit or aperture. You can get it at a discount in a mm-hmm. kit with the OM one, mm-hmm. I believe. So there is that option if that's yeah. what you were looking so for. So it's a very good lens. The 12 to 45 F4 um, is just so small, so light. It goes with the OM one really well. And to me, it really brings out the benefits of the micro four thirds system even more so because it's just delightful to use because of its size. And it, it's become the lens that I use the most in that range just by far. And I find its range to be incredibly practical. You know, yeah. it's not, a, it's not a 24 to 120 range, but 90 is pretty good. It's certainly better in my opinion than something like a 24 to 70 range, you right. know, where I sometimes feel like I want a little extra reach the 12 uh, to 100 is an interesting lens because it is optically very good across the range. It's, I think, the best um, wide-ranging zoom out there on the market, period. Um, just remarkable. And then it's got a special trick where it has a, an optical stabilization system built into it that can be synchronized with IBIS. Um, most lenses don't work that way within the Olympus system. And then you can get the freakish eight-stop st- stabilization, which right. means you can handhold multi-second-long exposures. It's crazy. What the I'm downside finding... is it's bigger and bulkier, and and you start approaching something that is almost the same size and weight as a full-frame camera, like a Z7 or six mm-hmm. with a twenty-four to two hundred. But this thing is better optically, I think. Well, what I'm finding is the 12 to 100 seems to be sharp across the entire frame through the entire focal length. Mm-hmm. It makes it more than just the one lens compromise travel lens. It's actually it's actually a really nice uh, lens. Yeah. And I can see you, even though it's larger, it it's no worse than I'm used to with the full frame. I'm still a little bit smaller. And yeah, I can have a one lens, one lens solution that I can take anywhere. I mean, yeah, it's optically just, better than the Nikon version. So, I mean, that that's true. Yeah. Uh, especially at the wide end. Um, now, so, so you did an interesting thing here, though, John, right? Because you actually bought both. Am I correct? Correct. So you went with the um, F4 the two F4 lenses. And what was your thinking there? All right. So the thinking was the one lens kit because it's the compromise. Let's say if I'm going to go on a trip with wife or family and no, I'm not really supposed to be trying to shoot good pictures. <laughs> I'm supposed to be standing next to them. Um, that would be the 12 to 100. That's the 12 to 100. Okay. The 12 to 45 gets coupled with the 40 to 150 as an outstanding two lens kit mm-hmm. that I can, yeah, maybe sneak onto a trip with others, but more likely I will use uh, when I'm on my own. 
The question, though, is now having them in front of me, the 12 to 100 behaves a whole lot better than I'd expected. It's better than what Nikon used to offers in the, you know, large zoom, uh, zoom range. It, yeah. The optics, it's, it's, sharp. it's, a, it's a stellar it's sharp at the long end, at which point, uh, yes, I do have uh, a choice to make anytime I go out. Interesting. Yeah, I, what I do is it's just a matter of, do I need that longer telephoto range? You know, a lot of times I, I don't, um, if I do, then I'll take the 12 to 100. It's really that simple. There's like John was implying, there's no discussion about optical quality. It just doesn't factor into it. Right. It comes down to size, weight, and range that you want. Mm -hmm. And, and I would say the same thing about that 12 to 45. It's very good too. The other advantage though, to the two lens kit is that 40 to 150 is getting me out to an effective 300. So right. now I've gained another 100 millimeters, and that's getting into a really nice mid-telephoto area. It is. And why don't we go ahead, and since that's such, yeah, let's such bring a nice that segue, and move into the telephoto zoom um, category, where with the Olympus system, you have two primary choices. There's a third out there we can talk about briefly um, that maybe we should have talked about with the normal range, too. But the, the two better ones are the 40 to 150 F4 that you purchased. They also have a 40 to 150 2.8. I own that lens too, because it's been out a lot longer than the F4. And then there, there are actually some cheapy ones too that you can get that are slower, you know, like F4 to 5.6 and cost remarkably little, but they're, you know, fairly plasticky and light. Um, they're not bad lenses though. But to me, if you were looking at the F4 versus the 2.8, um, there's an obvious decision about what aperture is needed, how important are size and weight. And given that that was one of your goals, I think you made the right choice. There are some benefits to the 2.8 lens, though. There's the obvious aperture difference, which can give you a little bit uh, better subject isolation. It will take teleconverters, both the 1.4 and the 2x. So if that's important to you, it becomes a discriminator for that lens. And then there's a, a hidden thing, um, which has to do with focusing speed. And the 2.8 lens focuses faster. And, and so if you're photographing subjects that are moving quickly, could be sports photography, could be certain wildlife situations, the 2.8 will keep up with the subject better than the F4. And I have seen that personally. It's not a huge thing, but it is present. So it's just something for people to think about. And, and if, if it's a different system, it shows how it's good to look at some of the nuances out there mm -hmm. that may not be obvious at first glance. Now, again, though, if you're shopping with your goal being small, travelable kit, the F4 is probably the better choice. It's a no-brainer. Because it is, opinion. it's actually smaller than that 12 to 100. Smaller and lighter. It's, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think about a, a, a lens that I've had in the past that it would, that it would be, you know, comparable in size to, it's, it's, it's kind of comparable in size to the 35 millimeter 1.8 Z lens. 
you know it's more like you know it's it's the barrel is isn't isn't huge it takes um i think it takes 60 62 millimeter front filters on it you know so so it is a very easy lens to handle it's It's not heavy it's not heavy um it's not fat it's ergonomic you know just the the barrel is more or less a a a constant diameter there's nothing weird on there um zoom ring is where you want it to be towards the towards the body you know towards the the back of the lens um very easy to deal with i guess for me the 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 thing gets into if you're really into things like rick said like um faster moving things um if size is less of an issue or if you want better subject isolation you know one one thing that we didn't mention with the micro four thirds kit we talked about it's 2x crop factor but you also get an effective depth of field of two stops greater um so when you're shooting an f4 lens the images will look similar to shooting at f8 even though you're at f4 it's not a big deal most of the time um but that's where the aperture factor can come in Um, and it can be either a pro or a con it goes both ways right there's times where it's actually a benefit and then you know so, sure. so i mean if you're looking for razor thin depth of field and super crazy subject isolation you need to stay away from the f4 lenses and find other you know and those options do exist but they're a lot bigger a lot heavier um and they kind of defeat the goal which which you stated which was i want a smaller kit you can build a bigger micro four thirds kit when i say bigger i mean bigger heavier glass you can do that um but it's hard to make a full frame kit smaller in some respects you know just due to the lens coverage areas okay now um you did get that super telephoto you mentioned which yeah you're smiling i can (laughs) yes i did um at least until recently, I always uh, lean toward grabbing medium to long uh, tele zooms. I like shooting that way. I like the isolation. Um, and this lens, of course, is phenomenal in that it gives me a really long range. And of course, gee, it replaces the lenses that I sold from the Nikon kit. So if I really do have an opportunity to go out and shoot birds, I'm actually better off. I have something that is one third the weight and still takes me out to 800 millimeter. And again, it's crystal clear, sharp. It's a phenomenal piece of glass. It it, it is pretty, pretty amazing. And um, one thing I would say about it um, is that, uh, when you see its size now compared to your other lenses, it's, it's huge compared to your other Olympus lenses. It seems huge, but this lens is really in some respects, it's smaller than 70 to 200 two eights I've used on full frame. You know, it's, it's about that size. It would be like a, it would be a svelte 70 to 200 two eight. If you're, if you've used a lens in that category, this 100 to 400, which is a, I think it's F5 to 6.3. So it's a variable aperture design. Um, One thing you should note on it is that it has 
optical stabilization. You know, there's a stabilizer in the lens and you should turn that off with your OM-1. The OM-1's body stabilization is actually a little bit better by itself. Now that doesn't have the synchronous, um, it, it doesn't synchronize. So it's one or the other. So if you Which have the is a lens, bummer, but yeah, it's, it's okay. It, it's the way it works. So if the camera is set where the lens is on, then it will prioritize that and not use the IBIS. Now so, you have me confused. Uh, I thought the rule of thumb with IBIS systems was that for long lenses, the correction, the the VR correction is better made in the lens than in the body. You're, That's a good generalization, but it's not true with this one. And and the reason is, it's two things. One, the stabilization system in the lens is is an older one, and it's not the best out there. It has, um, you know, a more limited effect on stabilization. Two, the IBIS system in an OM-1 is, is incredibly good. And it can handle longer focal lengths than a full frame system can, just because it, it's easy to move the, the smaller sensor around. So because of that, what everyone I know, including myself, has found is that using the IBIS system is a little bit better than using the lens stabilization. Thank you now for if that. You, if you really want to spend money, <laughs> there are some fun. There choices. is another option. There, there are a couple is, of them. There, there is Let's do the cheap option. one first. Okay. The, the cheap one is Panasonic also makes a 100 to 400. It's a very nice lens. It's one of those ones that's co-branded with Leica, which really just means it's a Panasonic lens that Leica put a label on for it's a little bit of extra money. Um, that's really what it is. But it's not quite as sharp as the Olympus. Um, and then you have that situation of the zoom ring direction is the opposite so for me i think you made the right choice between those two and then J jason's hitting at the really cool lens which i think all of us would love to own i certainly would but it's expensive and hard yeah. to find it's the 100 to i mean 150 to 400 4.5 it doesn't vary it's a fixed mm -hmm. 4.5 internal all, zoom internal zoom Extremely sharp, extremely nice. Definitely built-in teleconverter. Yeah, um, it's got a one point two five. How much heavier is it? It weighs about three and a half pounds. Oh, so it's it's on, on par with thing. your one hundred to four hundred, um, you know, Nikon uh, that you have, um, or at least I know you had. Um, Still do, and and, and uh, so it it is bigger and heavier, but it's not a oh my god I can't handhold this all day lens. It's I think realistically, th this is the how I view it now. I don't need something like that most of the time. The 100 to 400 is plenty for me most of the time. But it would be an interesting lens to rent mm -hmm. if I were up on a trip of a lifetime going on an African safari or something like that. I think I would splurge for a couple-week rental or something like that. I don't, think, like that. I don't think you would... You know, last week we were talking about the the 180 to 600 Nikon that just got announced, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you know, whereas that one's a little heavier still than 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 this Olympus. I think you could handhold this Olympus 150 to to 400 pretty much all day without oh, yeah. too much fatigue. I mean, it is bigger and heavier, but but that's relative. You know, it's bigger and, than heavier. 
it does have the synchronized stabilization. Yes, it has that modern VR. Now, if you were going to go with that, and I would also recommend to think about if you're going to use your 100 to 400, you know, that bigger zoom, I honestly think getting the battery grip for the OM-1 would be a, a thing to think about. It just makes vertical shooting ergonomically a little bit easier. It makes balancing a little easier. And it mm -hmm. doesn't add that much weight because you don't need to put a battery in it in order to use it. Right. So Actually, I did buy the battery grip exactly for that reason. Yeah. So I have not yet used it. And, but and, you know, and it's a slim, it's a slim uh, design. So you can pack it away very, very neatly. But segueing into a slightly different topic based on Rick's comment about going on safaris. So my rationale the first week that I had this kit was, okay, this is my walk around kit. This is my travel kit. But on the other hand, if I'm going on a dedicated photo safari or I'm going to an African safari, yeah, I'm going back to the full frame Nikon and I could rent my a lens that I just sold. Mm -hmm. I'm now thinking, of course, that's not necessarily true. The Olympus gives me the same or greater reach. It will be more comfortable to use. Um, yeah, I would take the Nikon with the 400 that for, the one to 400 that I kept, but I'll take both cameras and be happy that I've got wonderful coverage and one doesn't replace the other. Yeah. Um, the argument can be made that somewhere down the road, I may conclude that the Olympus system is as good as I was getting with the Nikon, and the Nikon would become a paperweight. Can't believe I said that out loud. <laughs> Careful you, you what never, you say. You never know what will happen. I uh, obviously in my in my case, I've concluded I like having multiple options, <laughs> and yeah. I found benefits to each so i haven't dropped down to what to just one system but some people do you know what i can say from my experience is that from a practical standpoint the need for the full frame system isn't a need it's more of a enjoyable i like it it's good you know it's it's great to shoot the files are wonderful from a practical standpoint i mean the way i was looking at it was well, hey, if I'm shooting a 100 to 400 in full frame and I need the extra reach, teleconverter or otherwise, the first thing I generally do is switch to DX crop mode. I've just taken my 45 megapixel camera and made it a 19 megapixel camera. And if you recall, the Olympus has 20 and a half, you know, 20.6 or something like that, whatever it is, uh, megapixels. So in terms of, I'm not gaining anything with the full frame there you know the image quality at that point is pretty much identical um in, in higher isos there's no dynamic range benefit of the full frame it just it it those those benefits are in narrow rick you called them corner cases they're mm -hmm. they're there and they're real but they only happen at the fringes at the boundaries of certain types of shooting you know where with my Nikon, I might need to crop because I don't have an 800 millimeter lens. With the Olympus, I do have an 800 millimeter equivalent, so I'm I'm putting the 20 megapixels on the on the image either way. So, without going out and buying an 800, you know, and spending yeah. a small fortune. So, yeah, John. Great. So I actually have a question for both of you. 
um, in my limited shooting this month, I'm finding that dynamic range and noise characteristics are reasonably similar to mm -hmm. full frame. I mm -hmm. haven't uh, I haven't had to do any special processing to the Olympus images um, because they don't come up to snuff. Am I right? Has anyone? I haven't. I have not done uh, looked at the comparison charts for I, dynamic range. For dynamic range, it, it's kind of interesting. the The lowest, I mean, the base setting on the Olympus is two hundred ISO. You know, with the Nikon's, you can get down to sixty four. With some other full frame cameras, just a hundred. And if you focus on the range from two hundred and up they're pretty much the same. Where you get the additional dynamic range with the full frame systems is when you can lower the ISO further, take it down to 100, take it down to 64, and you will get more range. So if, if you were doing certain kinds of landscape shooting that just had a tremendous um, brightness range, the full frame camera or a medium format camera will give you advantages. You can also get that by shooting two shots and blending them, you know, so there are ways around it. Mm -hmm. And the Olympus has some really nice implementation of uh, bracketing where you, if you set it for HDR bracketing, you push the shutter release once and it takes all three pictures. Yeah. You know, it just does the many. or whatever yeah. it does your sequence for you. No, um, I, the, the advantage of, of that is also, you, you get the better dynamic range with that full frame camera, like Rick said, at the lowest ISO settings. And also when you're using the full frame sensor, because when you take that full frame sensor and crop it, some of that noise advantage goes away because you're, you're magnifying it more. So if you were to look at the charts of a Nikon Z9 or Z7 or Z8 dynamic range in crop mode versus your OM-1, you would see that the lines are almost dead overlapping from 200 on up. It's just that the Nikon line or the Sony line or whatever is going to extend because it has more, more ISO on the low end. That's with, the, with noise though, at the, the higher ISOs, uh, the micro four thirds stuff isn't going to do quite as well. It does fine. Um, but one of the equalizers out there now, is that you've got really good software apps. Like, you know, we've talked about DXO that works wonderfully with micro four thirds mm -hmm. at, at silly high ISOs. And the only difference is really a matter of when do you cut over to something like that as opposed to using maybe something more like normal Lightroom or whatever you're using. So it's just a slightly different transition point is all. And, and because... And it, it's almost a don't care. Yeah. And Rick, let's be clear. Mm -hmm. So many, you know, John knows how to use Photoshop and Lightroom. We know mm -hmm. this from, he comes on our workshops, but you know, there, there are so many people who don't understand um, their software that they're expecting, they're judging noise as an out of the camera parameter. Um, and then they're seeing more noise in raw because they didn't turn it on or something in Lightroom or or, or right. whatever, right? Right. Um, so so the noise thing, yeah. If you had no noise reduction, yeah, there's probably a little bit more noise on a four third sensor than a full frame sensor, of course, out of the camera. 
But if you're using any kind of noise reduction tools and doing post-processing, it is a non-issue at that point. And that's the key. It's being aware that you you can do that. I think a, a good photographer is going to know that they're going to have to do some post-processing. I know that's your philosophy, John. I know that's our philosophy. Um, but you know, you, you can't judge noise in a vacuum because you have to ask, is it there? But then how well does it clean up? Because, you know, in the past, it didn't clean up so well. And it yeah. could be real, really difficult to deal with. So there were some some real choices to, to make. Anyway, we don't have much time left. So let's just wrap it up by just um, asking you, John. Um, I know you haven't had your system for very long, you know, just a couple of weeks or so. <laughs> Excuse me. What do you think of it generally, just overall? I'm very happy with it. I consider the quality to be about the equivalent of what I'm getting off my Nikon system. Therefore, I can use it for anything, anywhere, anytime. And of course, the lens selection gives me greater coverage than I currently have with an Nikon. So this may, I'll use this a lot. I see it possibly becoming the favored system at some point. Uh, I've got to do a little more experimenting. And is there anything, I know you bought a bunch of zooms. Are, are there any other lenses you're considering? Um, well, based on the discussion we had before you started the podcast, um, there is the possibility of the ma of a macro lens, only because macro actually would work better on a micro four thirds <laughs> with the greater depth. Um, and the only other item we didn't discuss was that the Olympus has the ability to capture a 50 meg file handheld with <laughs> right. times or 80 megs if you're on a tripod. Yeah. Doesn't work with moving subjects, but uh no, there's some caveats there, but it is kind of cool. Does have a spot. That's that's great. Well, hey, thanks for taking some time out of your day to be on our show. Um, and we'll send out a link to your website with your galleries. We'll post it on our show notes page on our on our um website as well um image doctor uh image doctors photo.com and uh, one it's just cool thing that john mentioned to us before we started that i think warrants mentioning is you're actually um showing some images in a gallery in alexandria right in the old I town area in the torpedo factory which is a i know where that is artist's uh, uh facility um, ironically, most of those are scattered on my website, but the website is a uh, new work in progress. Excellent. And we want to Very thank cool. you again for, for being a, a sponsor of our, our podcast over on our Patreon page at, and, and at imagedoctorsphoto.com. Um, again, those of you who sign up at, uh, at that and become a sponsor, we'll have access to additional content and who knows, maybe we'll have you on the show sometime as well. Um, but we are going to be working on a bonus video to come out a little later this week. So you should be looking for that. So John, you'll be able to see that because you're one of our benefactors. So we appreciate that. And thank you very much until next time. Happy shooting. All right. Bye-bye.